Hey guys, this is Matt with the Great Romance Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2, and just a little insight on what's going on. So we had a scheduled guest, we recorded the episode, I went to edit said episode, and apparently when I stopped and started recording again, that file is nowhere to be found. So I have to ask all of my... um, techie friends to see if they can help me recover it. Um, So this is going to be a unscheduled episode, but an episode nonetheless, because I have wanted to try something on this podcast. You know, it started out as the Great Romance Podcast, and that's still what it is, but then it was like, oh, every guest has to be, um, you know somebody music related or something that has to do with that and so or or something just related to the great romance so in the middle of that I've always wanted to do a podcast based on kind of nerd things and so if you have listened to any of our podcasts and half the guys I play with we talk about a ton of different stuff we talk about um a lot of things that you might call nerd things and so one of those such nerd things would be Star Wars, and I have always wanted to start like a a different podcast of just talking about Star Wars and things of that nature, so here's what we're going to do, we're going to try this, Um, it might be like a 30 minute podcast, we'll kind of see what it is, but we're going to try doing a podcast where I talk about The Mandalorian, which uh, a lot of my friends who listen to this are going to be upset because they're not on this right now. And um, I'm thinking of one such friend, Jared Beasley, who's going to be like, you did this without me, but it's about 11 o'clock at night, and I don't think I should have him call in. So um, this is just going to be like a little trial, and we'll see how it goes, and then hopefully episode three will be the guest that we had scheduled, uh, who's one of my bassists named Ryan Norman. We had such a great talk. The funny thing is, I have his audio. I don't have mine. I guess I could go back and redo myself and pretend, uh, but now I've given that secret away, so it's not going to work. So, what we're going to do for the next 15, 20 minutes, something of that nature, is talk about Season 2 of The Mandalorian. I wish I had the music. I would cue it right now, but then I would owe Disney money. Um... For those of you who have watched season one, um, this is spoilery, so if you haven't watched season two, I would not listen to this, um, because I'm going to give you some spoilery things. Uh, Season two is only three episodes in. I am enjoying it immensely. Um, I loved season one. Season one uh, was just, you know, it's one of those things where I've, I don't know if you've heard rumors and stuff. So originally, um, John Favreau wrote season one over either a Thanksgiving, I think it was Christmas break. And he wrote all eight episodes. And originally it was planned as a Boba Fett series. So he writes it, he pitches it to Disney, takes it and they're like, we love what you've done with it. But we've we're already working on a Boba Fett movie, and at the time, uh, Josh Trank, um, who did the Fantastic Four, uh, really not so good 
movie um, was uh, hired to do Boba Fett. And so they were working on a Boba Fett solo movie. Uh, Josh Trank did a movie called Chronicle, which if you've never seen that, you need to check it out. It's like three guys get superpowers and uh, it's like steady cam kind of done in that way. So think of like the Blair Witch, just not scary. Um, strongly recommend this movie. Dane DeHaan is in it and he's amazing. Um, anyway, uh, so um, Josh Trank was making a Boba Fett movie. They said, you can't use Boba Fett. But we love the stories. So what if it was a bounty hunter? So John Favreau adapted um, his scripts to be the Mandalorian. And so he's like, well, I'll just have it be a Mandalorian character. So a season later, you know, we got uh, season one of The Mandalorian, which um, for those of you who have ever watched, again, this is going to be a deep nerd dive, so stay focused. Um, who've ever watched Rebels, uh, one of my favorite Star Wars cartoons, Dave Filoni did Clone Wars, he did Rebels, and he gets Star Wars in a way that um, probably the keys to the kingdom should have been handed over to him, in my opinion, because he just, uh, Kathleen Kennedy is a great producer. She's a great producer of films. I just don't know if she's a great producer of Star Wars films. Um, I, I really enjoy episode seven, eight, nine. Um, the Last Jedi, which is super controversial, I love as a film, and a lot of people said it's a great movie, it's just not necessarily a Star Wars movie. Well, I, I like all three of them, but I get what they mean. Dave Filoni loves Star Wars in the way that a guy loves his wife. Um, he takes care of these characters, he feels connected to them. He studied under George Lucas, and so there's enough of George in him where he takes the good separates maybe the bad again it's hard to say that about the guy who um you know created this entire universe but george has certain ideas about things dave filoni kind of took those and took them to another level and if you've never watched the cartoon rebels which is on disney plus um you start to care about these characters in a way that i was like well the only way i'll ever care about these characters is if it's luke han and princess leia and there are characters in rebels that I start to care about just as much as those characters. So, fast forward to The Mandalorian. Dave Filoni, executive producer on that, works hand-in-hand -hand with Jon Favreau. And some of the things that you're starting to see in Episode 3, which the groundwork was laid a little bit in, or in Season 1, um, are things that Dave Filoni kind of created in Rebels and in Clone Wars. So one thing uh, that he... So in, in Season 1, you know, The Mandalorian... Uh, has a task. He's a bounty hunter, and he takes whatever jobs he can get. The first job he takes, he finds a, what we call the child um, or baby Yoda. And then season one is kind of figuring out who that is. He takes it back to the person and gets his money. He's like, I can't do it. I can't leave him. So he rescues the child, and then uh, the Empire, which isn't, which no longer exists as a thing because this is set after the events of Return of the Jedi, I think approximately five years um, you can correct me on that. I'm sure Jared will. Um, Empire is not a thing anymore because they blew up the second Death Star. And so he's dealing with these people who are related to the Empire and they want Baby Yoda. So he rescues him, he takes him as own, but then it's like people aren't going to let up until um, I return this person 
whoever it is, which we still don't know all the details about Baby Yoda slash the child. So um, season seven and or season one, episode seven and eight, kind of end on this big two part episode, and um, the Mandalorian is told um, by another Mandalorian that he needs to take the child to these people called the Jedi. And so all of us Star Wars nerds, you know, we're like, well, yeah, everybody knows who the Jedi are. Well, they don't in this world uh, because they're, you know, he's a bounty hunter. So, like, by the time uh, episodes four, five, and six happen, um, you know, Luke Skywalker is kind of the only Jedi. Vader was... Uh, a Jedi who turned dark and they kind of wiped out all the Jedi through the Clone Wars and Order 66. Again, I told you we're going to get nerdy. And so it's not like a common thing. And so he's going to hunt to find a Jedi to give the child to, uh, who is Force-sensitive, who shows that. Um, He heals a person. He stops a monster. Uh, The greatest thing is every time... Baby Yoda uses the Force because he's so young, which, by the way, he's 50, but that's a baby in whatever his species is. Um, He gets tired and has to take a nap. So in Season 2, we see the Mandalorian starting out on this task to take Baby Yoda and find some Jedi. Well, he doesn't know where to even start, so... um, in the first episode, he's going to find some Mandalorians and see if he can get some clues from that. Well, the only lead he has is there's somebody with Mandalorian armor, and that person's on Tatooine. So again, I'm saying this, spoiler warning, if you haven't watched or listened to the show, uh, sorry, if you haven't watched the show, then stop listening if you don't want to know anything about Mandalorian Season 2. So he goes to find uh, another Mandalorian. Uh, it's on Tatooine. I'm going to summarize kind of quick because I want to get to episode three. And it's a character called Cobb Vamp. And what, uh, again, my friend Jared had told me was he found uh, Boba Fett's armor um, and got it from some Jawa. And so uh, Boba Fett was swallowed by the Sarlacc pit and returned the Jedi. So that's all we know. Well, in the original, like, books, which aren't canon anymore, he, like, got out. So in the new canon, Cobb Vant gets his armor, but we still don't know how he got it. Like, did the Sarlacc pit puke it up? Did Boba Fett escape? And he lost his armor. So he goes to this town, finds the armor. He's like, where did you get it from? He explains it, and uh, he got it from some Jawa. He traded them something for it. And so he kind of uses it to be a marshal in this town. So um, he's like, well, it's not yours. And he's like, you know, I'm Mandalorian, and that's Mandalorian armor, so I'm taking it back. So they're about ready to fight. This monster kind of attacks the town. He goes, well, look, man, uh, I just use it to keep people away from this monster or to keep the town safe. If you'll help me rid the town of this monster, I'll just give it to you. So they strike up a deal. Cobb Vance, a pretty good dude. Um, played by the guy on Justified, whose name escapes me. I don't have show notes right now. I should. Um, and so they go to stop this monster. Um, he gets this them to work together with the sand people. And they end up 
uh, taking it out. He gets the armor back. And so he's like, well, that's the only lead I had. So um, we go to episode two of season two. And um, again, I'm trying to re- recall everything right now. I also have a Entertainment Weekly with uh, Baby Yoda on the cover. That's very cute. So he doesn't really have any leads in episode two. And then um, the character who's on Strangers with Candy, I need to look up her name. Uh, she comes back, Amy, oh man, what's her name? Anyway, I'll find it in a second here. She comes back and she has a lead on where he can find, where she's heard rumors about Mandalorians. And so she's like, you got to take this lady and you have to take her, oh, Amy Sedaris, and you have to take her to um, this planet where her husband is, and she's basically a frog woman, which one thing you have to understand about Star Wars lore, especially if you go back and watch episode four, there were all of these crazy aliens and crazy characters, and some of them just look almost like bad Halloween costumes, but but that's kind of like the cantina scene in episode four, the very first Star Wars movie. You know, like people have never seen that before. It's 1977. People forget that all the time, and they also forget... George Lucas was just ahead of his time. There's a story that John Favreau talks about with the technology they use in Mandalorian. It's a new technology. Well, it's new in the sense of they can create basically like a green screen, but it encompasses everything. It's almost like an oval shape, and uh, the technology is just amazing. And so uh, John Favreau, George Lucas was on set one day. He's like, I want to show you this. It's, it's like, you know, he's describing the technology, and it's basically what George Lucas used back in the day when he kind of, you know, invented through industrial light and magic, green screen and things of that nature, just, you know, made a little better and a little newer, but George had the idea first. And so John Favre's like, you ever seen anything like that? And then he said he realized, George's kind of looking at him, smiling. He's like, yeah, I, I, I've seen something like it before. Um, oh, wait, let me do my George Lucas. Uh, yeah, I've kind of seen something like it before. And so he's like, yeah, duh, you know, you're the godfather of all of this. So um, the technology that they use uh, on this is just phenomenal. So they create, you know, all these different planets. And so um, back to the story, uh, Amy Sedaris says, you know, you got to take these these frog, this frog lady, um, again, who that's part of the allure of this is how they take these weird looking creatures and you like have empathy for them. Uh, Baby Yoda was supposed to be CGI and he's a puppet. And he's the cutest thing, and you just you fall in love with him. And and uh, one of the actors, um, uh, Werner Herzog, who was in um, the season one, they shot I guess each scene with the puppet, and then they shoot it with like a thing, and they're like, you know, this will be where we CGI it in if the puppet doesn't work. And they said that he fought for it and was said. If you don't use the puppet, you're ruining an opportunity to do something special. So he was correct. So this crazy creature um, has to take her back to her planet, but um, they can't use uh, light speed. And so in episode two, um, in episode two, they say uh, that um, he he gets her on board the ship and they're flying. And a couple of X-wing 
um, show up. And I kind of thought when I had seen the trailer, and maybe it's just wishful thinking, that I had wanted it to be Luke Skywalker. Because, again, this takes place after, you know, like five years after Jedi. It wasn't, but it was Dave Filoni as an X-Wing pilot and then another guy. And so they kind of run his plates, you know, and uh, things aren't making sense. So he tries to outrun them. He crash lands on this planet. It's like an icy planet. Again, everybody wants all these things to overlap. Um, and uh, it's not Hoth. And so on this planet, they're attacked by these spider creatures who are just creepy as all can be. The X-Wing pilots find him in this ice cave save him and realize that back in a, in season one, he kind of took some mercy on one of their friends or one of the guys that worked for the rebellion. So they kind of give him a pass. He's like, well, you could just help me get out of this. <coughs> that was me sneezing. You could help me get out of this. And they're like, we're just going to look the other way. So his ship is in shambles. He's like, I think we can all get in the cockpit and maybe make it to the other planet. And so him, Baby Yoda, the child, and the frog lady with her eggs, who, by the way, the cutest scene, Baby Yoda eats uh, some of her egg babies, uh, which is gross, but also really adorable because he just can't stop eating. They get off of the planet, and they're kind of limping to her original planet. So that brings us to uh, Season 2, Episode 3, okay? So, again, spoilers ahead. If you watched Rebels and if you watched Clone Wars, there are two things that happen in this episode that makes the geek inside of you jump for joy. And so he gets to the planet. She sees her husband. His ship is in shambles. Uh, the same species as Admiral Akbar is there. Um, it's a watery planet. And so um, the, he leaves the, his ship with a mechanic to, uh, to just fix as best he can. Kind of asking the lady and her husband, where are these Mandalorians they seen? So they go to this restaurant. Uh, it's kind of like a cantina. And then another person there says that, that he's seen them. And so um, he'll take him by boat to kind of find these to find these Mandalorians that he's seen. Gets on the boat. He's with the child. It turns out to be a scam. They just want his armor. So he's got this Beskar armor that is fancy and it's very valuable. So these guys on this boat, they take Baby Yoda. And so if you're... Um, so like my wife doesn't want anything bad to happen to Baby Yoda or any of the characters because it just hurts her feelings. And so... Uh, if you're for the faint of heart, you think something bad has happened to Baby Yoda because they push him into the middle of their boat and then this like sea monster grabs it. So the Mandalorian jumps in after it. They just want his armor anyway. They don't care about the child. And they drop a cage and it looks like he's not going to get out of it. You don't know where Baby Yoda is. And then these three Mandalorians drop down, kick some butt, get him out. And then one of them literally jumps down into the water. And gets Baby Yoda out. So everybody's rescued, and he sees, you know, his his kind, the Mandalorians. Well, he's told never to take his helmet off. And this is the way. And they don't do that. 
So all three of them take their helmet off. And so, again, if you've watched the other cartoons and things, a character named Bo-Katan is there. And what is amazing about that is um, on uh, Clone Wars and Rebels, um, the lady who voices um, her is playing the live-action actress of her. And so uh, it it's pretty amazing because a lot of times, you know, when you see um, characters and they're based off of cartoons, and so it's Katie Sackoff from uh, Battlestar Galactica, the live-action one, the newer one. And so she had done the voice on Clone Wars, and they let her be the live action version and she just i mean she crushes it she just nails it i mean you see her you see the hair is the same uh, even her headband is the same mandalorian flips out cuz they take their helmets off so he's like who gave you that armor you're clearly not mandalorian and they're like oh you're one of those zealots so they start to kind of talk to him uh he takes off that like he he doesn't even really give him a chance to explain what they want to do and so uh he just leaves and he's like you know this my my lead is dead he gets back to town the relative or friend of the guy that they end up killing is there and he's kind of out for blood he wants some vengeance and then the mandalorians show up again kind of save his butt and they're like at least let's buy you a drink and let's go talk so there's three of them uh the other one is played by sasha banks uh the wrestler and um, at first, when she first landed, there's a character in um, Rebels named Sabine Wren, and she kind of had similar pistols. It didn't didn't have the same outfit, but everybody wants to see her, and so everybody wants to see these cartoon people in live action. And Dave Filoni, like he's giving us that um, because he cares so much about those characters. He created this extended version of the universe, so. Um, they kind of talk to him, say what they're after. They kind of want to bring Mandalore back to prominence. And there's a whole thing on, like, what's happened to that. You'd have to kind of watch all the cartoons to know. So he's like, you know, <sighs> he doesn't know about that. And they're like, well, look, if you'll help us with this one mission, he says he needs to find a Jedi. She said, I'll, I'll get you to a Jedi. So he agrees, you know, to help with the one mission um, it's against Imperial people. They hop on the ship. They're just supposed to be getting guns. It's some of the coolest fight scenes because it's three Mandalorians together just like kicking butt. And um, they basically take over the ship through like some really cool action. I can't describe it enough. Again, we're trying to keep this episode about 30 minutes too. And some really cool things happen. And um, they take over the ship. The guy tries to crash the ship because he can't let them have it. And so when she's going to get it, she has the one guy, and she says, does he have, like, the Black Saber, which is also from Rebels and Clone Wars, and it's, uh, sorry, the Dark Saber. And um, she she wants that back, and it's a pretty integral part of some of the cartoons. And so, you know, Mandalorian, I don't know if, if he knows of that in his lore or not, and so he's not very happy about them taking over the ship. So anyway, they get the ship back. He, she tries to get the information of the guy. And in another cool scene that I think we gloss over 
it's like in the old spy movies when a spy gets caught and they break the capsule in their mouth to kill them. He does that, but it kind of shocks him. So he breaks this like capsule that kind of makes him, you know, electrified and he dies. So the information dies with him. So Mandalorian says, just give me the information. Who's the Jedi? And this is where all the nerds rejoiced. She says Ahsoka Tana is on a planet. And Ahsoka Tana goes all the way back to Clone Wars. She was the Padawan of Anakin Skywalker. And here's something crazy about her. So when she first was introduced, I couldn't stand her. And she was introduced in a Clone Wars cartoon movie. That's not very good, in my opinion. But if you watch the Clone Wars cartoon, then it starts to take on this whole thing. And they even added another season, a mini season on Disney Plus <clears throat> that takes it to another level. And it kind of gets her story to where it needs to be because she leaves the Jedi Order, comes back. Anyway, she becomes this amazing Jedi and in the cartoon universe. And you just really start to care about her almost as much as you care about people like Anakin and Luke and those other people. And so you hear her name, you squeal, you rejoice, you throw things at the television. Uh, the Mandalorian jets off of the, the uh, ship. And then you're left to wonder, are we going to see Bo-Katan and her friends again? I believe we will because she's after the black, the dark saber. I don't know why I keep calling it black saber, the dark saber, uh, which another character named Moff Gideon has. And uh, she knows he has it. And so, where that's going to go is amazing. So now the Mandalorian has another planet that he's told to go to where he'll find Ahsoka Tana and she can, she's a Jedi. And so um, he gets back, his ship is repaired, but it's not repaired great. So it kind of limps out again. And then he leaves and like, even as he hits uh, his hyperdrive, because now, you know, he doesn't have to not, not use that anymore. Like a piece falls off of his ship. Um, I crammed a lot of that information into a small amount of time. What I would strongly recommend doing, one, is if you don't have Disney+, Plus, what are you waiting for? Come on, get Disney+. Plus, Man, it's got all the Marvel movies, the Star Wars movies. Honestly, it's worth it just for The Mandalorian. Um, if you're a Star Wars fan, even if you're not a Star Wars fan, because I know people who aren't, who um, think of Mandalorian like a... a Wild West, old school spaghetti Western, which that's the way George Lucas always described Star Wars. And so it's kind of like, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, and this bounty hunter who's traveling across, you know, what would be the the wilderness or the West, but he's traveling across galaxies with this little baby with him. Um, trying to figure out what's going on. He's grown attached to it. He's very protective of it. And the Mandalorian's just a bad dude. Uh, his armor is awesome. He's a great fighter. He's very skilled. His ship, the Razor Crest, is awesome. And so I couldn't recommend this show more. So that was um, episode three. And so everybody's now wondering, are we going to see Ahsoka Tano? Is she going to be played by Rosario Dawson, um, Ashley Eckstein, uh, who also is married to David Eckstein, the Cardinal shortstop, voiced her on the cartoon, and uh, the casting rumor is that Rosario Dawson is going to play her. Um, Dave Filoni directs the fifth episode, and that's his baby, Ahsoka Tana, as he created her. 
So we think that she won't show up until then. So what will happen in episode four? We're really not sure. What's great about The Mandalorian, and some people, you know, they want like the payoff every episode. But one thing that's good about these, um, you know, these these um, TV shows, mini episodes, these series, is they give you time to explore and develop characters. And when you're watching movies, you just don't get that all the time when it's a new character, except unless you get another movie. So, you know, or they have a backstory that everybody knows. So in The Mandalorian, sometimes people call some of the episodes filler episodes. Well, some of the best episodes are filler episodes. Episode two could have been called a filler episode. What happens on the ice planet and him fighting the spiders and him bonding with the frog lady and saving the eggs and the two X-Wing pilots coming in and all of that. It's just such a, you want to see more of this universe and you only know snapshots of it from what you know from Star Wars and the movies. And that's why the cartoons are good as well too, um, especially Rebels and Clone Wars. Um, they just develop that world more. And you kind of get to see a little bit more of, you know, things that, you, that you've that you always wondered. Like, what else was going on in the rest of the galaxy? The galaxy wasn't just Luke, Han, and Leia. And so, just for a second, think back. You know, the first Star Wars came out in 1977. Um, I was born a week before it came out. So, maybe that's why I always feel so close to it. I don't know. Um, but I've always loved this universe. And I've only known, you know the Jedi from Luke, and then we got the prequels, and you knew that there was a ton of Jedi. Then you got the Clone Wars, and it showed the Jedi fighting these battles. Then you see Anakin become Darth Vader. Huge spoiler. Then he's evil. Then in the other ones, it's like, you know, the Rebellion are the good guys now, and the Empire's dark. Then we go to episodes 7 through 9, um, you know, and the Empire's back. It's the First Order, and there's, you know, another group that Leia's leading these freedom fighters to fight. So it's this huge universe, and what the Mandalorian does really well is it kind of strips it down to its essence and has these self-contained, not self-contained in, like, you know, the sense of it's all shot in one room. Although I guess with the new technology there, it kind of is. Um, But just, like, you get the time to, even in the first episode of Season 2, Cobb Vanth, you get to know this character, and you're like, I want to know more about that guy. Uh, One other thing... And I won't tell you this. The end of episode one of season two, uh, there's a huge reveal of a character that we all thought was dead, and he shows up. So you can go watch it. Um, but I'm excited about where Mandalorian's going to go. I think this season's only eight episodes also, but it's it's just such eight good, you know, chock-full episodes. So I know my friends who listen to this podcast my fellow nerds, my fellow Star Wars group. Hopefully uh, they kind of check this out and listen again. Sorry about what happened with the recording. Actually, during this, uh, Ryan Norman, who recorded the thing, he's like, dude, what happened? So um, we're going to try to work on things. But this has given me a chance, you know, at 11.15 at night, now 11.47 to kind of live out a dream of talking Star Wars and realizing that I don't know everything off the cuff like I think I do. So if I were to ever do this, I would probably need some show notes. So what I hope happens with this is you listen to this and maybe you can say, hey, Matt, that's a thing you should do. Maybe start a Star Wars podcast. Or, hopefully in a kind way, Matt, 
stick to the great romance and interviewing people. Um, but I love Star Wars. I hope you do too. I love The Mandalorian. Again, I, I can't recommend it enough. What's crazy is how many families watch it together. And it just kind of transcends age groups. Uh, and like my wife loves it. Uh, all my buddies, like their wives are like, oh my gosh, I love this show. Because sometimes with Star Wars, people are like, eh, I don't know. But again, they're 30 to 45. I think the first episode of season two is 55 minutes long, self-contained stories. And uh, there's humor in it. Anything Baby Yoda does is pretty hilarious. He eats everything, makes little baby noises. And I, again, couldn't recommend this show anymore. Uh, I, I listen to a podcast called The Force Center. And uh, those guys, I love to hear them talk about Star Wars things. And they, man, they're, they're super knowledgeable of it. So this was just like a, a test market for this. So I hope you've enjoyed this show. Um, not about anything related to the great romance other than I feel the majority of the great romance musicians love Star Wars. I know that uh, Raby does. I know that David Gross does. Ryan Norman and I even talk about it. Uh, Chase loves it. He loves movies. Graham. And we all have theories on things. And when episode seven through nine were coming out, we all had you know, our theories and our loves and who liked episode eight and who didn't and all that stuff. And so um, we do talk Star Wars for days. So this kind of is a great, ep- uh, great romance episode, but it's also a Star Wars episode. So I hope you've enjoyed this. Um, again, two, two weeks from now, tune in and we'll have a guest back. And keep listening because uh, we do have a lot of guests lined up that I think you're really going to enjoy. Um, please subscribe uh, if you want to donate to the podcast so we can keep doing this and bring in bigger guests. Um, you can do that by going to um, Anchor and uh, just checking out the site there. Um, I always put links on all of our social media things. Um, and there's ways to donate where you can be a monthly donator, like uh, as little as 99 cents, as much as um, $9.99, and uh, we'd love for you to do that. We try to send you some free stuff as well. Um, Also, in just the Great Romance News, we're um, able to play some solo stuff now, and so I got to play um, in Bloomington. I got to play in Macomb um, this past weekend. I got to play a Celebrate Recovery um, at my own church, which could not have, have went better uh, such an amazing night. That's also available. You can watch the whole service was streamed. There's a link on our Facebook page, The Great Romance. And uh, got to hear an awesome testimony from a friend of mine named Aaron, who also plays guitar in my worship band at church. And um, really great organization, Celebrate Recovery. Check that out as well. Working on the single, um, Our Great God, with a rap by my boy Jacob Anderson. Um, it's Christmas time, so you can pick up the Great Romance Christmas CD. to five-song EP uh, with songs like Sing Along and Gloria and um, what else is on there? Uh, that First Christmas Night, Can You Hear It, God Rest You Three Kings. Um, it's just kind of a mashup that we do. So all that's on iTunes, all that's on Spotify. Thank you guys during this time when we haven't been able to play shows for all the love and support as well. Uh, there's too many people to name. One of these days I'm going to name them all. Um, who just like donated money uh, when we did the live stream concert 
so many of you just donated to try to help us be able to record uh, that single and people who have just walked up and given me money um, just to say, hey man, like we believe in your ministry and you know, the great romance just adapts. And that's what uh, Ryan and I even talked about a little bit, which we'll get into that. Of just like, as the ministry continues, which it's been over 20 years, you know, um, finding out what works, the travel is harder. So some of the things like doing a podcast and being able to connect with you guys on social media is what we do. And I don't want the ministry to stop, but don't be surprised if it just adapts to the changing times. Um, but just continue to pray for us. Um, it, whether you have money or not to give, that's one thing. And that's cool that people do that. But this is ministry. And the more I focus on the ministry side of things and realize that that's what this all started for was to minister to people, uh, the more God just continues to take care of things. And I just try not to worry anymore because God's got a plan. He's got a plan for you. Hopefully that plan includes watching The Mandalorian. So thank you guys. This has been Matt. This is The Great Romance Podcast. Until we meet again, have a good one.